Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. What you know about going out? Head west, red legs, TVs, all up in the headrest. Try and live it up. Rock jewel, pick a truck. Peace all glittered up. Stick a kid, stick a what? Jig with a cut. Slip Chris, spit it up. Welcome back into the afternoons here on SCNZ. Great to have your company. And it's great to welcome in the company of our Thursday regular. Do look forward to these chats as I know you all do as well. Sky Sport rugby man Tony Johnson joins us today. Welcome in. Afternoon, Staffy. We've just done the first hour on this uh, and discussion for and against and how it could all work. This ANZAC 15 is in association with the British and Irish Lions Tour, a combined team in Australia. And it's grown some legs, TJ, with a lot of people coming up with the idea of an ANZAC 15, call them the diggers or whatever it is, and do what the British and Irish Lions do. And we go to the Northern Hemisphere every four years and play them on their home grounds. Um, it's such a big conversation point. Where does it sit with you? Um, I think while the idea is sound, uh, you've got to fit it in around a World Cup every four years. You've got to fit it in around a Lions Tour every four years. Uh, it's important the unions, the individual unions, see those, uh, particularly those end-of-year tests, are a big uh, money spinner. Um, yeah, there, there are reasons why it would be great, but there are probably plenty of impediments in the way before it ever became a reality. Uh, at this point, I, you know, what would be quite good was that you get to the end of the tours and you put the, you know, you put a combined team together to play a, a decent Barbarians team. Um, not just, you know, the Barbarians have basically become a whole bunch of um, non-British players playing against the touring side. But, you know, you, you, could, you could sort of try and set something up like that. I, you know, I like the idea of... Uh, Something uh, you know ahead of a you know as part of a Lions tour. Although again, um, you know we're not trying to be a naysayer. Uh, you have coaches thinking, oh no, I don't want him playing in that game because he might get injured for that game and, and that sort of thing. So much as the idea, it's uh, it's it's got a lot of merit. Uh, I, I think it would have to take a lot of pushing and shoving and people giving ground uh, to make it work. And we know that uh, when it comes to things like that, and particularly when there's money involved. Giving ground is not something that rugby people or rugby officials are very good at. <laughs> yeah, true. A money spinner last week in a sold-out stadium in Japan resulted in a very entertaining match and a very, I think, uh, comfortable coaching group from the Japanese side, albeit uh, a defeat, TJ. Um, I quite liked the spectacle, though. Well, you know, I think we do tend to get a little bit in a match like that tied up in, in, in everything the All Blacks didn't get right and I think it's really important that you acknowledge uh, that you know Japan I, I thought 
you know, obviously there's been some historic wins for them. I mean, they had a, a great win over South Africa. They beat uh, Ireland, at the, you know, the occasional World Cup boil over. Um, but this was close to something, you know, as big as that, if, if not even bigger. Uh, and, and they deserved it. it. It wasn't like a team sort of playing above its weight or anything like this. was a, a, a really good-looking rugby side in action. Um, and, and so you have to think that if, if they can build on that. I think, importantly, it just seems to be signs now that the, the, the ambition that was lacking in Japan rugby suddenly, um, and I, I think Jamie Joseph's got a lot to do with it, suddenly it's there. Eddie Jones bemoaned it. It's why he quit the job after the miracle at Brighton. He said there's no ambition. But here they are. They're taking on the All Blacks and they're going to go over and they're going to take on England and they're going to take on France. And playing the big boys more often, uh, when you consider the, you know, some of the promising players they've got and some of the hardened professionals that they've got, uh, you'd, you'd like to think that you know next year Japan can can you know have a big influence on proceedings at the World Cup again. Yeah, it was. I was thinking as I was watching that, and I thought finally Japan because there's been New Zealand. Well, there's been expats flocking to Japan for years and years and years, and and the All Blacks have been going there for years under the guise of we're growing the game, uh, and I actually think it was we're growing our bank balance. But I actually think. Something's happening, and and is it Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown? Is it a relaxing and uh, allowing it to be a bit more of a European way rather than the Japanese way? Whatever's going on, it's starting to click, isn't it, for them? Yeah, I, I think what is happening now is there's a much greater connection between uh, the, the the clubs, or over there they're kind of like um, that, more like the. Um, sort of industrial juggernauts that run the rugby clubs. Uh, there's a greater connection between them and Japan rugby. At last, they seem to be on the same page, and that's allowed them to be more ambitious. They've never had that before, that really it was all about protecting the, you know, the, the industrial giants um, that, that owned the clubs, ran the domestic game, and, and it's almost as if the international game was of secondary importance as long as Japan had a presence, had a seat at the top table. But I think that's, that's changed, and I think the, the, the alterations that they've made uh, to the Japan League, I think, have got a lot to do with it. The fact that they are now associating their teams with a region rather than a company, mm. and so you're not calling them the Panasonic Wild Knights anymore. They're the, um, I can't remember the word, uh, something or other, Wild Knights, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, they're not the Cabelco Steelers, they're the Kobe Steelers, um, that, that sort of thing. I think that there's, there's a different feel to it. They've got a, a, a really good structure going on there now, and it's, it's enabled them to, to, to be a bit more ambitious. And already, uh, I, I think the signs are very promising going forward. They're still always going to rely on imported talent. That, there's no question about that. But when you get guys like Warner Dunes prepared to commit and, and you know, following on from Michael Leach, prepared, prepared to commit their international future to Japan when clearly options could have been created from elsewhere, that's a, that's a sign of what's going on. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. We've got a couple of uh, games with uh, New Zealand men's rugby teams running out in black jerseys. I don't know what the All Black 15 jersey is going to look like yet, but a strong-looking team. But let's look at Wales first. Um, I, 
I can't remember the last time I gave them a chance of beating us. Uh, I think they're as good a chance now as they have been in probably, well, a long, long time. Well, if last week's anything to go by, they're a heck of a chance to end this drought that goes back to, what was it, 1953? Um, they've had quite a few injury problems. You know, I felt for a while that Wales are an ageing team uh, and, and, and it's been hard for them to get their best players on the field. Uh, I, I imagine that the, the All Blacks have been read right at what you'd hope so after last week. But there's a lot of questions to answer in that team. That was a that was a, a really poor performance, and and it you know begs a lot of questions about you know what's the direction going to be for this tour. I suppose the first big question is who's going to wear the number ten jersey, um, and we're going to go back to the situation where Richie Moore, who strung together a good um, sequence of performances, then suddenly came up with a game totally lacking in any sort of authority or influence. So what do they do? Do they give him another chance or do they move Bowden Barrett in with some sort of mealy mouth thing about we wanted to give him a chance or something <laughs> like that? Uh, that's a big call that they have to make. Clearly, it'll be a stronger team. Uh, you've got Whitelock, you've got the Barretts coming back into it, but they're going to have to be a whole lot better. It'll be a stronger team. They'll have to be a better team. Otherwise, they might just be that all-black team that, that you know was responsible for one of the longest winning streaks in the game coming to an end. Roger Tuivasa-Shek goes back to the All Black 15. Um, it's a pretty good side, you know, a back line of love, Stevenson, Enor, RTS, AJ Lamb, D, uh, Damian McKenzie, TJ Perinara. Um, is he running out of time to really push his claim for a World Cup um, a World Cup slot? And it's unusual, but I'm, I'm almost thinking this game this weekend for the All Blacks 15 is probably the most important he's played. Well, it's certainly an important one, particularly when you've got a guy like Alex Nankerville who has been outstanding both now at super rugby level, had been good at NPC for quite some time, waiting to fulfil that role. I still think um, you know, that they're paying a bit of a price there, um, firstly for the fact that you know he wasn't able to play last year. I think that didn't help at all because of the COVID lockdown that, that Auckland got tangled up in. Um, there's also this been this thing, and I think it's been talked about, I'm sure, sure you've talked about it a lot, that would he have been better off playing for, for Auckland rather than you know practising with the All Blacks, training with the All Blacks? I think yes. Uh, he just hasn't had enough game time. Really, there was a couple of lovely touches last week, mm. but there's nothing that we saw that made you think, yeah, he's ready to take over now. Um, you know, for my money, you go, if you're either going for Geordie Barrett or you're going for Havili there, and you're almost starting to think now, well, would have been, you know, in hindsight, would they have been better off playing him on the wing, playing at fullback where he's played so much of his sport in the past? So I think definitely uh, time is running out. I think they're going to have to make a decision. Uh, do we persist with trying to make him a midfielder, or to give him a chance, do we put him on the wing, give him a bit of, or fullback, and give him a bit of space, and then see what he can do? Because on the, on the basis of last week, uh, you, you just can't see him threatening for a place in a World Cup team. No, and finally, TJ, out of Sky Sport, the Black Ferns, it's business time now. It's sort of been in a lot of people's periphery, uh, but if you've managed to get to a game, anyone out there, it is a fantastic atmosphere. But uh, the top four, we knew who three of the top four would be. Canada's joined England, France and New Zealand. Uh, so much anticipation around. I think we're finally going to see, have the improvements that look like they're there, are they real? Are they true? Because now the Black Ferns have France. Yeah. Comedy act of the week, Simon Middleton, the England coach, trying to make someone else favourites for this tournament. <laughs> ha ha. Um, 
Yeah, I get it. Um, what, 28 straight wins? Uh, they are... They look like a, a women's te- uh, the England women's team are trying to play like the England men's team. It's a very attritional style of rugby, um, but they, it's very effective. And they've got these powerful forwards that they use to great effect. They, they play to their strengths. They play uh, within you know, fairly tight confines, but they're going to be very hard to beat. But I don't like all this talk about people, there's been a bit too much talk about an England-New Zealand showdown. New Zealand have to get past France. Mm. France were not comprehensively beaten by England by any stretch earlier on in the tournament. They are a real strength in the women's game. Their sevens have been fantastic, and they've got a lot of this. Like New Zealand, they've transferred successfully their sevens talent into their fifth team to great effect. Um, I, you know, France will have to be beaten first before anyone can start thinking about a final against England. Um, much to like about the performance last weekend. Showed tremendous improvement, particularly in their set piece, their scrum. Uh, their pick-and-go is phenomenal, and of course we know about the talent they've got wide, um, but they will have to you know, continue to, to minimise the errors that do come with a, with a you know, attempt to play a high-velocity game. They'll have to keep, continue to improve their discipline, and if they can do that, yeah, they're a great shot at beating France and going through to a final, presumably, against England. But uh, you know, don't take this for granted at all, and we all know about France at World Cups. We sure do, TJ. Look, I know you've got a busy day in front of you. Always appreciate your time on a Thursday, buddy. Um, I'll let you go and enjoy it and enjoy this weekend as well. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, Steffi. TJ, out of Sky Sport, great to have his company. Just uh, the All Blacks 15 team, I uh, just rattled through the back line. Ruben Love, Sean Stevenson, and Stevenson and AJ Lamb are the wings. Centre, Braden Enor, RTS in the 12. Damian McKenzie plays 10. TJ Perinara in the 9. Uh, the forward pack, number eight, is Marino Makalitu. Luke Jacobson will play open side. Um, Dominic Gardner will be blindside flanker. Patrick Tuipolotu will lead them from the second row alongside Josh Dixon and a front row of Tavita Mafileo, Brody McAllister and Aidan Ross. And on the bench, we've got Tyrone Thompson, Finley Bruce, Tamaiti Williams, Zach Gallagher, Christian Leo Willey, Cam Roygaard, Fantastic player, Cam Roygaard. Uh, Josh Ioane and Alex Nankerville. There is the All Blacks 15. Uh, we shall take a break. And after the break, I think we're going to catch up with Annie McCook after the break. Um, let's do that. Uh, big, big time of the year for um, all racing codes, actually. Every single New Zealand Cup is on next week. Uh, Gallops, Harness, Greyhounds, the whole shebang. And the Greyhounds New Zealand Cup is worth $100,000. Eight Greyhounds, 20 seconds, $100,000. Boom. Andy McCook, he'll be calling his first New Zealand Cup next week. We'll catch up with him after the break. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.